do if you had to? What do I mean? I don't have to do anything, Matt. Well, what would you do if you had to have some major surgery and opioid pain meds were strongly recommended? Now, if I say, what would you do if you had to? It's kind of an oxymoron. You don't necessarily have to. And then, of course, there are, have been times throughout history where people did with, with undergo major surgery and without any kind of pain relief. But nowadays, that typically doesn't happen. That's really not an option. There is no one-size-fits-all easy answer. It's just something that I think about, and I think that we, especially addicts, have got to think about. It's something we have to address, and I don't want to. Have, I don't want us to have wait and address it when it's upon us. It's something we need to think about beforehand. How would we handle that? Now, the obvious thing to just take better care of yourself, get healthy, eat better, exercise, get lots of sleep. You know the usual stuff. But life does happen, and we'd be better off if we were prepared ahead of time my dad had open heart surgery triple bypass and it was a very scary time for us um, he was put under they had the surgery and then they were monitoring him and then there was some blood happening somewhere something so they kept him out for an uh, for an extended amount of time to see if the blood if the bleeding would stop and it didn't so they had to go back in and find the problem and fix it and they did so he was out for a pretty good long time. Now, when he came back to, and they were wheeling him out of the operating room and back, you know, back to the room, um, I was with him. And he was very, you know, groggy and all that. And I remember him saying two things to me. One, he said, I'm as weak as a kitten, which really kind of bothered me. And then, you know, that's a whole other subject. It's like, you know, this isn't my Superman. This is dad. This has been the guy who's always been larger than life to me my whole life saying that he's as weak as a kitten and that really hit me it really humanized him for me but that's another subject the other thing that he said he looked at me he said i wasn't asleep i'm like well, what do you what do you mean dad and he just kind of was fading in and out and he said i wasn't asleep and the horror of what that might mean hit me like a ton of bricks. My heart just sank. I didn't know what to think, what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh my God, my dad just went through open heart surgery. That's when they split your breastbone open, open you up entirely and go in there and operate. And to think that he, my dad was asleep enough to where he appeared to be under anesthesia but was awake enough to be oh, conscious and aware of what's happening that's terrifying and there have been stories throughout history where that's happened where someone was given anesthesia it was enough to basically paralyze them but they were still awake enough to feel everything that's going on to be aware of everything that's happening to them but not be able to communicate to the doctors that that's what's going on now as addicts how does that really how does that relate to us that applies to addicts or can apply to addicts in several ways 
One, if an addict is on some kind of maintenance medication, be it Suboxone or Methadone or whatever, those are opioids. Okay. So, and they, and for example, especially with Suboxone, because it has the blocker in it, is it possible for that blocker to block the opioid that's going to be in the anesthesia? These are just questions. I'm sure an anesthesiologist can take that into account and make adjustments based on that. So that's why we've got to be very honest with them about about what's going on with us. Another side of that is, is we don't want to relapse. And there are many cases where you've had an addict who, for whatever reason, they had to have surgery. And then after the surgery, they had to have some kind of pain medicine. And that caused a relapse. But there's more to it than just that. There's also the anesthesia. There is an o- There are co- components of opioids and anesthesia. So with the Suboxone, can it block the effects? I don't know. Can an anesthesiologist compensate for that? I'm almost certain of it. We just have to be very honest with them. And sometimes due to the stigma involved in taking maintenance medicines, not all addicts want to be completely honest. You've got to be honest to the fact to the to the point where you're candid, to the point where you act like you don't even care. Yeah, so what? I take maintenance medicines. Yeah, anyway, this is part of my regimen. You know, I take my multivitamin. I take my blood pressure pill. Oh, and I take my maintenance medicine for addiction. That's fine. You just need to make sure that you talk, speak, speak with whoever needs to be spoken to. But of course, like I said, let's stay healthy and not ha- and and be able to avoid having surgery or anything like that. Sometimes it can't be avoided. Take a story of Max Baker, for example. And it's a long story, and it's tragic, but his story is very relevant to this. Max Baker was a, an addict, and came from a very good family. His dad was a doctor. Well, he got he finally came clean, got clean, went on maintenance meds, came off of maintenance meds, had been sober for so long, was in college, doing great. Everything's great. He's working, going to college. Everything's great. What happened? Well, he was driving along one day, no fault of his own. Some teenage girl pulled out in front of him. There was an accident. He was injured. His hand was broken in a way that he had to have surgery. Now, thankfully, he was very honest with his surgeon. and told his surgeon, hey, I'm an addict. I'm in recovery. I don't know what to do about the pain medicine, the pain management, anesthesia, or whatever. The surgeon was very torn, didn't know how to treat, how he's going to treat Max. So they did the surgery, and in the end, he did end up prescribing him a small prescription of Vicodin. One month later, Max overdosed on heroin. Now, there is a small silver lining. Max's father, the doctor, he has since become certified to prescribe people for Suboxone has become a big advocate for um, helping addicts get clean in his son's name. And kind of like what I said in a previous episode, if we can't save them all, we can at least go out and live well, live a purposeful life on purpose in their memory, in their honor. We got to do it for people like that. And you know, in Max Baker's case, it's speculated that and I tend to agree. His treatment didn't fail. The treatment that he went through did not fail. It's just that it ended. You know, he went on a maintenance medicine. He did all the things that we do. And then he went off of the maintenance medicine. And, yeah, he, st- he was clean for like a year or whatever it was. I, I, you can Google it. I'm sure it's 
if you want. It's a Max Baker. And I'm kind of going to segue into my next point. And I'm not saying the ongoing treatment with maintenance meds is for everybody. I know this. It's absolutely not. But the stigma around it must be removed. People have got to stop being ashamed. It needs to start being treated as, if, as any other medicines that you're taking. You know, I had someone in my life at one time who found out I was taking maintenance medicine and then flipped out. It was like, I can't believe you take that stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the stigma involved that I'm just some dirty drug addict because I was taking Suboxone. And then my attitude toward it was, I didn't know I owed you an explanation. I didn't know that I had to tell you what medicines I was taking. I mean, hello, it's kind of personal. Do you want to know if I take something for blood pressure? Do you want to know if I take something for migraine headaches, for example? We need to stop treating this as if it's maintenance meds, as if it's some big bad boogeyman. It's just another medication to treat another condition, just like Zoloft is to help people with depression. We all know that one of the biggest problems with opioid dependence over some other drugs is there's a physical addiction, not just mental. I'm not going to get into all that. But the biggest problem is, is when people go into treatment, at least 59% relapse in the first week, 80% in the first month. So that's another, another 21%. So within the first month, 80% of people who go into treatment relapse whenever they're finished with treatment. And we've got to change that because we also know that's when people overdose is because they've lowered their tolerance. And a lot of people go back and use the exact same amount they used whenever they quit, which is probably a very high amount. I'm not saying ongoing meds is for everybody. I'm just saying that the stigma has got to be removed from people who do take ongoing maintenance medicines because they've got to feel as if they can speak freely with doctors or other people that they need to speak with about these things. The main thing is getting us getting ourselves refocused on something because when we chased drugs for so long, we got so zeroed in. That's all we did was focus, focus, focus on getting drugs and more drugs and more drugs so therefore when we do get clean we do hit rock bottom or we decide to get clean or whatever the reason is when we do get clean we've got to find something we've got to find a way to get that out of our minds because it's become a habit it's got the pattern so much that it has become a habit that that's all we know and when that's all you know you just automatically go to that it's kind of like what we've talked about before being on autopilot when someone's on autopilot, they just go through the motions. They just do their habits. They do their behavior that they did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And changing those behavioral patterns are so hard to do. But they can be done. It's going to take a lot of work on our, on your part, our, our part, my part. I'm doing it every day right now. I'm trying to change my behavioral patterns, not from, not from drug seeking, but from other things. You know, I catch myself. We... We've talked about this. I catch myself all the time on autopilot. You can stop and look back and think, damn, what have I done the last two hours? Well, I think I went to the restroom about an hour ago. I'm pretty sure I did this. I think I did that. You get the point. The point is we go through our day and not even realize what we're doing half the time. So it's always about trying to find a way to get our mind off of drugs and onto something else, something constructive, something good, telling our story, helping other people inspiring other people if it takes maintenance meds then go for it i don't care be on maintenance meds for the rest of your life that's fine it's fine just whatever it's going to take to get your mind off of that and onto something good do it and just put that baby to bed and be done with it now with getting back to the part about the whole having surgery and 
you know, being honest with your anesthesiologist. Jeez, that word is a mouthful, isn't it? Being honest with them so that they know, you know, hey, this person's taking a Suboxone, which has an opioid blocker in it or whatever. I need to compensate for that. They may need you to stop taking it for a day or two. I don't know. I don't. And I hope I never have to find out personally. Now, if anyone knows, you can contact me and let me know how that ha- how that's handled exactly. And also, how did it go for you? I am very curious. I have had surgery in my life. And I did. This was, gosh, way before I was addicted to anything. I was a late bloomer. I didn't start using drugs till later in life whenever I had a relationship fall apart. But, you know, whatever. But I did have surgery in my earlier earlier in life. And I was prescribed, I think it was Percocet. And I took them. And when I finished the bottle, I was finished with it. And I, I can't tell you why I didn't become, you know, fall into the throes of addiction at that time or not. I don't know. It just didn't seem like an option at the time. Of course, it never does seem like an option. It's something that just, it's, it's an escape. And then one day you turn around and you realize, oh, crap, I'm an addict. What's that feeling I have? Oh, that's withdrawal. You need to get get some drugs, and that's when it hits you square in the face. Wow, I'm a, I, I am an I am I am an addict. So that's my question for anybody out there, and feel free to contact me and let me know. What did you have to do? Have you ever had to pay, have you ever had surgery since you've been clean? And if so, how did you manage pain? How did the anesthesia go? Did you tell them the truth about everything up front? And if you were on maintenance meds, was that incorporated into your post? surgery pain management plan i do know that there have been studies that show that suboxone or whatever can that maybe the uh, dosage can be jacked up a little bit for a, for a few days or however long to help manage pain or if it's methadone or whatever that they can that sometimes that puts you in a better position if you're taking those because you can just kind of up the dosage on those instead of having a full full-blown full agonist pain medicine which, I, yes, I'm aware methadone is a full agonist and suboxone is a partial agonist, which means that it doesn't exactly act as a full opioid would like most of them out there are. But anyway, how does that work out? Do they incorporate your current addiction ma- management in with your pain management? Did you have to um, do something else? I had to have some dental work done, and it was some, it was pretty heavy duty. And... I did tell them ahead of time, I cannot have anything that's considered a narcotic. So they prescribed me something light. Well, it was still a scheduled drug and I couldn't take it. I was on my, I was on some Arcson and I couldn't take it. I mean, it did kind of mess me up at the pharmacy a little bit, but we took care of that. I turned, you know, the, um, I just didn't get the um, medicine that the dentist had um, prescribed to me. So I didn't mess up my other prescription that I had at the time. But even after I told them, they still prescribed it to me. And I'm like, listen, you guys, I cannot take that. And they're like, yeah, but you're going to have to have some for pain. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. And what I did was I just alternated Tylenol and, and Advil. Thankfully, that was enough. Thankfully, I didn't need to go do anything else. Thankfully, it didn't trigger me to go out and try to self-medicate with God knows what. But I know that not everybody's been so fortunate. So if that's been if that's your case, let me know. Well, anyway, you know, there are so many stories of people overcoming addiction and and then overcoming even more stuff after that. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of really great, inspiring stories out there. It's not all dim and gloom. And I mean, I know that um, telling the story of Max Baker was 
a little sad, but I mean, there is that silver lining where his dad is now an advocate for helping people. And in some way that uh, we can't understand right now, maybe that was Max's purpose here. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a nice thought, and I'm going to go with that, actually. So, have you ever been inspired by someone who overcame amazing odds? And I know some people look at us and they think, oh, yeah, well, you did that to yourself. You know, I mean, overcoming odds. Now, that's a war hero who lost limbs in, in war and came back and ended up running a marathon or something. And and you're right. Absolutely right. That is a hero. I'm not necessarily calling addicts heroes. That would be a hero. But some addicts can be inspirations just because they can show how from how low you can get, be it self-imposed or not. That's a whole other subject for another thing. Actually, no. Actually, we can get into that real quick because while we do do it to ourselves, there is the other side of this, and that's the mental health side of it. Addiction is a mental disorder because not everybody who uses drugs is going to be an addict. You know, I've had many people around me that we would, and I'm using air quotes here, would party together. And then at the end of the weekend or whatever, they're like, yeah, I got to knock that off because I got to get back to work Monday or whatever. Meanwhile, us addicts right here are like, what do you mean you got to knock it off? I mean, I get it if you got to go to work, but, you can, but how are you going to go to work without getting high first? That's the addict's mind. That's a mental illness. And I know that if we had stayed away from drugs in the first place, we would have never started that. That's a whole other thing that we can debate until the cows come home. The point is, we did it. We're here now. And we do beat a lot of odds. We do come up from nothing. So are, have you been inspired by someone? Or maybe if you have you been an inspiration to someone? I'm inspired by addicts all the time. I mean, I hear stories of addicts that I'm like, wow. Because like, for example, me, I come from a great family. I can't blame this on my family. Everybody around me has been fantastic. I did this all by myself. But there are a lot of people out there who maybe had a bad upbringing. Maybe their dad left. Maybe their mom used drugs in front of them when they were like four or whatever. There's all kinds of crazy stories. When you hear stories about how they got in treatment and cleaned themselves up, got their lives together, start a business. Next thing you know, they're like, they're just rocking. I mean, got, got a big house. They got all the great things. Happily married, got really good kids. And you're like, okay, you came up from all that to this. It's very inspiring. And it also kind of lights a fire into the rest of our asses because it's like, well, if that person can do that, well, then what's your freaking excuse? I'm like, I don't know. what I, I don't have one. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I mean, what can I say to that? I came up with a great family by upbringing. Check. I, got all the, I can check off all the boxes of, of how things should be great. But I still fell into the throes of addiction. Yeah, I've got some. I had a triggering event. Whatever. It's not an excuse. It's just what happened. But then I look at some people around me who are clean addicts. I'm like, wow, you guys are, I mean, you really beat some odds here. But then I also look at it and I'm like, well, when you're coming up from zero, there's only nowhere, there's nowhere, way to go but up. But then also sometimes the drive or the willingness or the know-how or whatever to begin that climb up from zero 
isn't always there. So that's kind of what they, that's kind of inspiring. Not the you know the fact that they did it is very inspiring, but also the fact that they decided to do it. You know, I recently heard a story about how nowadays going to college is quickly becoming not necessarily what you have to do. Now, I mean, I strongly encourage anybody who wants to go into some kind of nursing or being x-ray tech or whatever. Yeah, go sign up for school. And until you go sign up for school and start going to school, it's all just a dream. You've got to go do it. You got to put the you got to put the work in. But if you do that, it'll come to you. It'll happen. But anyway, I watched this. I, I was watching something about a guy who's more unconventional. You know, he's more of a blue collar guy. But you know, plumbers and electricians they go to they don't necessarily go to college, but they do go to a trade school. They learn a trade, and they make a lot of free money. They do very well for themselves. But anyway, I watched this guy, and one of the things that he does is when he hires people in, and they're usually people who have no education or no formal education anyway. And and I would probably even guess a lot of the guys he hires had, you know, maybe not even have a high school diploma. But it's not necessary in that kind of work. What is necessary in that kind of work is the one to work hard and maybe something kind of dirty, you know, like cleaning out septic tanks. There's a job for you. How about that? Clean out septic tanks. No, thanks. No, thanks. Not for Matt. But, I mean, it was really cool because he said, he told people basically how to do a vision board. He said, all right, I want you to draw for me your ideal house, your your dream house. Okay. Now, what's your dream car? Okay. What's a dream vacation? All right. That's great. I mean, it just how much money would you like to have saved up in five years or whatever? Just really break down all these life goals. And he says, you know, eventually you've got this huge cloud of all these things you want to have done, but you've got to broken down into little bite-sized pieces and start checking them off. And the thing is, is momentum. Momentum is is you're always going to be our best friend because when we start getting momentum, you know, maybe it's just paying off that low balance three hundred dollar balance credit card. Okay, so that's on your list. You know that that's also one of the examples that he used. You know, paying off that low end, that that low balance credit card. As soon as you can check that box off, check. Okay, maybe catch up on a car payment. Okay, check that off. As soon as they start getting checks off of their boxes, man, they're on fire. Then they just go, 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 go. And then after a couple of years, they stop and they look back on the whole thing and they realize, holy shit, I just did all that. And how I said that it was kind of like a vision board because he said, draw for me what your 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 dream home is. Now for your car. Now for this. Now for that. Your ideal vacation. Put those on a and he actually said, put those on a board. Put it somewhere you can see it every single day. I've got mine. I'm looking at mine right now as I speak. It says, I am thriving in health, wealth, and happiness. And I am a successful podcaster. I inspire, motivate, and lead people to live happy, healthy lives, free from addiction, and fulfilling their purpose. I've got some other things on there. I've got a house that I'd love to live in there. Palm trees. Wake up each day by the ocean. That kind of thing. And, well, of course... Best man I could possibly be for uh, Kitty and my kids. That's the that's the girlfriend, and I've got two lovely daughters, too. So that's it. That's what I got. What would you do? Well, first of all, if you have had to deal with some kind of surgery, you know, and, and my little incident with the, with the dentist, I don't think that really counts. 
because I'm thinking about something major. So I guess it kind of counts only because they did prescribe me something that I clearly told them not to do. But that's fine. It was taken care of. And I didn't need it. But if you have had to deal with that, if you have had to have some kind of surgery where you were faced with having to take an opioid and the risk of relapse was very real, or have you known somebody that had to do that? Or what would you do? And if you don't know, then you need to get it together. You need to figure it out. I'm working on that now. I, I am not entirely sure what I would do. I think the best plan is to get healthy and try to avoid all that. But in the case of Max Baker, it was an accident. Some some kid ran out in front of him. Accident, no fault of his own. You know, things do happen. And that's just... That's just it. So we do need to know what would I do in this situation if it were to happen. Anyway, if I didn't say it already, this is Matt Stevens, and this is My Sober Addiction. I will speak with you guys soon, actually, because this is a late arriving episode. I have been posting on Wednesdays, and I did not get one out this past Wednesday. So I'm going to do this one, and then I'm going to get another one up this coming Wednesday. Lord willing, um, sometimes these things are... Hard to prep for if anybody's out there as a podcaster, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, this is Matt Stevens. This is my sober addiction. I love you all, and I'll speak with you very soon.